It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Here we go. Four o'clock hour. Former Raider Stanford route is up in 20, 45 minutes from now. College football betting. Week one, a billion games to get angles on from Brad Powers. It's Cofield. It's John Von Tobel. It's ESPN Reno. It's ESPN Las Vegas. The hour is brought to you by our friends at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. 766-1400 is the number to call from anywhere in the state of Nevada. Damon is here. Damon, do your work. Let's go. Big four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. You guys too busy over here trying to keep us on the air. Well, you sent over a perk that I am 98% in on, but I got to know the rules and I got to get... No, you're not. Uh, well, I need to know the price. Are airlines going to offer seats in a kid-free zone? So here's the thing. So um, Corindon Airlines says that it's going to start selling adults-only zone seating. Now, that's no one or 16 uh, as of now, at least from what I have read, this is on flights between Amsterdam and Curacao, so it's not like anything that we would take advantage I would, of. I would love to make that flight. I've never been to so, either country. Here's that'd be great as a part of a tour. Here's no my kids. thing. Here's and this is why Uh-oh. you're getting screwed over. Come on. I've taken many flights in my life. At one or two, there's like a yapping baby is crying, he's upset, ears are popping, you know all that kind of stuff. The scum of the earth on the plane are the adults who take their shoes off, who put their hair over the seat, who won't put their phone in airplane mode. It irritates me. I don't know why. It's just like the smallest courtesy. How do you know? The guy is asking. Because you're on the phone. You're talking. You're texting. I know. Oh, you keep talking. Yeah. Yeah. The scum of the earth on these flights are all of you. All of you who are going to buy these kid-free tickets and then realize, holy crap, we're terrible people. This still sucks. So, yes, as a father of two, who, by the way, whose kids are awesome on flights. I've only been on three of them, but so far, three for three. You're going to find out quickly that it, like, it's not this epidemic that you think it is. And, in fact, it's all you barefoot, hairy people who don't care about the others around you. Number three. I don't have to answer that. Try. I don't have to answer that. Plus, this, this topic is not that uh, kids-free zone is not for me. It's for the SO. She dislikes kids way more than I do, and we already know I ain't cool with them. So, amazing choice on my part, right? It's hard to find the right person, which brings me to this story here, which, uh, you know, I was just telling you guys, we took a bunch of photos, or we had a photographer out at the Barry Odom radio show. Uh, I host that along with the coach, of course, and Caleb Herring. Um, And a lot of the photos were from behind me. Man, I am bald. It is... It's crap. I really, it's bad. It's bad. Uh, you send over a story, a headline, New York Post sex and love column that says, date short bald dudes. Jana Hawking. Yes. Yep. Says that uh, that's the way to go, that you got to give those guys a chance. However, here's the thing. I guess she kind of buries the lead because I don't think all bald short guys are packing heat. Wait a second. She said, just last year I fell for a hairless man, and trust me when I say... His lack of hair was certainly made up in other places. So I, like I sent over short and balding equals massive hog. I was gonna say, Let's go. I feel like, I feel Drop like your buddy on the table and break a table. 
I feel like it's really flawed logic to assume that every short and bald guy. I, you know, one of our friends, like, I, I don't know if she's been with 15 redheads, but she, like, raved about being interested in a redhead because she's like, oh, the last one, Mod- yeah, she didn't say Madon because she's not a town, but whatever. She was like, oh, all redheads. I'm like, oh, is that right? Okay. Um, now, did you actually read the story? Like half of it. The story is, you, you didn't read the story. The, the story really isn't about short, bald guys. The story then goes into her dating life has been a living hell because she doesn't want kids. And she said, all I wind up doing on dates is explaining why I don't want kids. That's why it's been a living hell. So I think her whole rationale was date older guys. They've already had their kids. That's what the story turned into. That's why I found it funny. They got the splashy headline, and then you read it. But no, actually, one, they had a couple of pictures of her, and she's 39. You know what? Pretty solid. Pretty solid, right? Did you look? I did. Go on, because you you sparked something in my brain. No, pretty solid. And and when I read it, I was like, you know what? Um, I'm not available. I'm old and bald. Not very attractive. Getting fatter. Probably wouldn't have a chance with her. But I liked her rationale on not everyone wants kids. And I know women get a lot of pressure on that. When they don't want to have kids, it's like, what's wrong with you? All right, so I thought she was just assuming every bald and short guy, you know, was packing. Well, that was part of it. I was going to say, like, good for Jamie. Like, that's... that's (laughs) The other other part that you just spiked, like, sparked in my mind. Can we make a bet on that one? I don't think we can settle it. (laughs) The other part that sparked in my memory, I was watching a... I was watching a TikTok, right? And this guy's talking with this woman... And she's like, guess how old I am? And the guy's like, I don't know, like 25. And she's like, no, a little bit older. And he guesses a couple times. She's like, I'm 33. And he goes, wow, you look great. I'm like, it's 33? Right. Why does that all of a sudden get the line? Wow, you look great for your age. Like, what are we doing? She's three years away from her 20s. Haggard 33-year-olds. That's all we've come to expect. Not the case. As as we know when I I talk about my uh, my girlfriends. 33 is very young. Ari's short and balding too, right? Good for those guys. You just don't care about the station when you do stuff like that. That's toxic. <laughs> Number two. Number two. I feel like we're shutting you out, Damana. I apologize. No, that's that's totally I, fine. I apologize. Did you uh, did you enjoy that story? Uh, yeah, where my you wanted buddy, to go with it. My buddy Justin, who uh, also works for Veasan, he's short and bald. He used to work here actually. Um, okay, but he he always has a great catch of a woman. I mean, a job that mm-hmm. he can live and wow. mooch and be a sports radio producer. Maybe he's, maybe he's working what's you know something yeah. good. <laughs> Gotta be. He's like, gotta be. Now you're bald and, uh, well, he's not old, but you're bald shaming. It's not right. It's not right. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being bald. I, I, I think we're past that now at this point. I, it's one I, of those things. I think there's actually more, more wrong with making a, a ridiculous effort like we used to do in the past where you'd wear a freaking rug. Right. And it just, you you know, guys just look like horses' asses, especially when it's like a jet black rug. You know what I mean? And you're 77 <laughs> years old. Like, come on, guy. Coach but, Kevin. yeah, you know what? Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. If it makes you happy, do what you want. Can I have number two again? Number two. I feel bad. We didn't have Damon involved on the air. Now we're going to go with number two here. Uh, Aces play tonight. Uh-oh. Or is this recent swoon exactly what we said might happen? I thought it could happen. You know, when I was predicting, hey, 38-2, and 37-3, well, maybe they're going to rest a little bit, and then they can't win that many games because they got to be ready for the playoffs. Um, they've been kind of forced to recalibrate here. And now there are some worries, John, that their bench just isn't deep enough. Mm-hmm. They're going to be good enough in the playoffs. They're going to be tired. And the other thing is the matchup with Liberty, it ain't working right now. They have I mean, a game today, by the way, uh, at the MUA. 
it's here uh, pregame. 7 o'clock tip, 6.30 with the pregame on ASPN Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean, I think you can explain some of the struggles, right? So you, you go to that loss to the Sparks. You play two straight games against the Liberty. They're high-intensity games, and you have to play early start against L.A., a team that had been playing good basketball at the time. Like, all right, you kind of understand that. Then you go on this road trip, and you're talking about, what, four consecutive road games. We know travel's pretty tough in the WNBA. And you have a look-ahead spot before you go to New York against a D.C. team or Washington team that is somewhat competent. I think you can kind of explain where you're at with some of these losses that they have suffered in recent memory. Uh, Maybe I'm making excuses more than explaining what's happened, but I think in a league like the WNBA, situations are really impactful. And I think this has just been a tough part of their schedule. Number one. Well, I was waiting on this because um, I have a little fantasy involvement with some of the Angels players. You know, in the middle of the week, we kind of melted down, at least I did. Adam defended Artie Moreno to a certain extent. But I melted down when the Angels decided just to cut five guys, put them on waivers. All five players can help a potential contender, and only one of them slipped through waivers so he can be picked up. I don't know when Gritchick can be picked up, but Gritchick got through. But the three pitchers, Matt Moore, Ronaldo Lopez, uh, Ronaldo Lopez, both relievers, one lefty, one righty, and uh, Lucas Giolito, who's been a quality starter, all got picked up by Cleveland. And then Hunter Renfro went to the Reds, which is kind of an interesting choice. They're having some injury issues, but they're a very deep team. There's a method behind the madness here. Is Artie Moreno simply a cheap, kind of losing-minded baseball owner or... Can you make oh. sense of this now? Oh, no. Both things can be true. Yeah. <laughs> I think both of those can absolutely be true. I think Artie Moreno's got that cheap loser mentality, but also it makes sense to, if we're not going to contend, get these guys off the books and let somebody else pay for them if they're going to claim them. So I think both things can be true. They still have to pay Gretchik, right? Yes, because he, he slipped through. Yep, because he slipped through. So, hey, at the very least, the league could have kind of stuck it to him. And it's weird, too, by the way. You mentioned Cleveland. Cleveland, who was kind of selling a bit at the deadline, and all of a sudden, five games out of the Hale Central, we're like, all right, we're in. Let's go get Lucas Giolito, and I, I, I don't get it. I like it. The Cleveland fans deserve it. The, I mean, I guess you the, want to put forth a good product. Well, the it, Guardian it, fans have supported that team, and the uh, you know Cleveland ownership has cried poor forever. It's actually a pretty good organization. Hey, you know what? You're right, because we talked about Seattle the other day, right? Seattle was out, and then they start winning. Their pitching takes off. Uh, some of the hitters start going crazy, like Julio uh, Rodriguez, mm-hmm. and... You know, they're very much in it. You know, a little resurgence here by the Guardians. Why not, you know, go out and get some help? Yeah. I mean, look. Give the fans something to root for. The Angels are happy they did it. So that that's fine with that's fine with what Anaheim wanted to do. But I think if you're if your reasoning here for the criticism is that like, oh losers, you're out, now you're gonna get rid of them. I'm like, yeah, it makes some sense. But I also think Artie Moreno has deserved the reputation that he's gotten. Do you have any expectations for the offseason? Like, where are you now on Otani? What, what do you think uh, the percentage dead. is? I'm dead inside. Uh, 1%? I don't know. Really? Because, like, what? You were at, like, you were at like 60, 65%? No, no, no. no. I was at, oh, like, you were 45. The... I was, like, at 45. I think you were at 52. Okay, 51.3. Um, now, you're one of the few people who really did believe that the Angels were sending the signs to Otani that they had a chance at him and they were going to keep him. I, I'm, we want I, you. And I've been consistent with this. I still think buying at the deadline was the right thing to do. You, you Like, why not? Yep. They just fell apart. Yes. Everything went everything went wrong. Absolutely. And and anyone out there was like, oh, you could see that coming. Show me your tickets. I want to see that you consistently bet against the Angels mm-hmm. over those 15 or 20 games when they fell apart. Yep. Everything went wrong. Because the funny thing is, in this trade, like Giolito had been up and down, so it's not shocking that he was up and down. 
Matt Moore had been unbelievable. Like a 1-5 ERA, and he got blown up like three times out of six appearances. Uh, Lopez was all right. Uh, the hitters, I, th- I thought both were okay. Right. Uh, but it was the rest of the crew. You know, their pitching staff fell apart, and guys started slumping. And I obviously mean, Trout, the delayed return, he comes back for a day, goes back on the DL. I mean, the injuries are also a big part of it, too. And look, at some point, the Angels have to look inside and go, okay, I don't know if it's a training staff thing or what, but the injuries have been count- like countless, consistent with all of their guys every single year. That includes Mike Trout. Otani is, at the very least, since 2014, the 10th UCL injury that that team has had to deal with. Mm. Like, this has been a thing with the Angels. So you've got to ask yourself some questions. Is the way that we're setting up our medical and training staff the right way? Are we treating our players correctly? Because this has been an issue for us. But yeah, everything went wrong. Your best hope is for Artie Moreno to again wake up one day yes. during the offseason and go, you know what? Let me just make the money off the sale. Yes, sell to Joe Lacob. He wants the team. Otherwise, yes. man. Oh, there's no hope. I'm dead. Lump. I guess I'd have to make a list. Lump Artie Moreno in with at least um, six to eight to ten major league sports owners and we'll say the five major leagues where their fans are like they have to sell and not to be morbid or they have to die mm. we're never going to win with them and by the way i see a lot of people still too like this catastrophic failure stripped their farm system like their farm system wasn't even that great stripped to begin with yeah for the guys they got yes no they didn't that's no. that's that's stupid uh thanks to the rampart yesterday for hosting the show we're going to be back there in the second week of september uh starting off with uh, thursday night football in the nfl that's when the football specials begin Bar specials include two bucks on the draft beers, three on bottled beers, four bucks for Bloody Marys, and Hot Dog Cart is back on uh, Monday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. Check it out, Rampart Race and Sportsbook. All right, we got Stanford Route back in the fold in his regular spot. It's going to be every Thursday. And, uh, you know, we talked about Stanford, I think it was at the beginning of the week, uh, based on his athleticism and his background, aside from being a Raider, because we were talking about, and we'll bring in Stanford. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good, pretty good, fellas. Happy Thursday to you. So, your name came up because we were talking about Kevin Hart and Stephen Ridley. I don't know if you saw this, but they had a sprint, because Hart said he was fast. Uh, Ridley's like, uh, I don't think you want to do this. I don't think you want to race against me. And then Kevin Hart wound up in a wheelchair because he tore abductor muscles. Uh, did you get wind of this race? Did you see it? Oh, I think we lost him. By the way, you guys are... Re- Do me a favor to uh, Damon. Let's make sure he's on uh, the correct mic on, yeah. our, on our setting. Oh, uh, you're there. Here. There you are. Okay, so did you get wind of the uh, Ridley Hart race? Yes, yes, I did. Did you see it? I didn't see it, but uh, based on the, the <laughs> end result, I can yeah. go ahead and put two and two together. I, I thought, uh, I thought he, it. no, I thought he did okay. I also think Ridley probably let up a little bit, but Kevin Hart like shredded his whatever the abductor muscles, and I brought I brought you up, and I was like, I think like Ridley's probably still pretty fast. I'm like, I think Stanford can probably. Do you know what you can run the forty in now? Do you you ever get timed out at the Houston <laughs> practice, dude? You're like you were like a very high level sprinter. You're not old. We saw you in person. You're still all yoked up. You must be fast as hell still. I mean, relatively speaking, I'm probably fast as hell still. Yeah. Um, I, yes, I can still run a little bit. Uh, okay. I do my best to still try to maintain a healthy regimen. I will still oftentimes go up to the track and do repeat 200s okay. just because I don't really know any other way of, you know, how to stay in shape and, yeah. and things like that. So for me, 
working out and physical fitness is that's my that's my passion that's my my pastime or should i say one of my favorite pastimes so yes i can still run a little bit definitely not like i could back in the day but i can still move pretty good especially for somebody my age okay so you mean like you can't do it like you did back in the day are we still talking like 4 8 40 I think that I could still be under five. Yes, okay, there you go. Old. There you go. So have you ever had someone challenge you and they're like, oh, I'm pretty fast, Stanford. We might want to have a runoff. Are, are you just like, dude, don't stop, okay? You, yes, don't I've do had it. people challenge me before. Yes, I have. Okay, and what has happened? Have you just turned them down or <laughs> is it destruction? Now, most most of the time I just turn them down. Now, yeah. I will say this one time back in 07 with the uh, with the Raiders, uh, Dante Culpepper, he was our starting quarterback. Oh, no, oh boy. He, he challenged me and yeah. – I was so confident that I gave him a four-yard head start. Okay. And, oh, my God, it was completely stupid by both of us. And so we actually ran it. And he wound up, I think, either tweaking his hamstring, straining his hamstring, something. He did so – he, he tweaked something to his lower extremity, which obviously was dumb on both of our parts racing. And we got a game coming up. So that's something I vividly remember. And, yes, I did wind up catching him. But all in all, that just was not a smart choice by both of us because what did I really win out of that? Nothing right. other than being able to say I'm faster than Dante Culpepper, which I'm a corner. I'm yes, supposed to be, be faster than him be. anyways. And, you know, obviously with him getting a little bit banged up from that, that was – there's nothing good that came out of that. Damn, you know, your personal best was almost, almost a sub-20, 200 meters, like right there? Yes, Wow. 20.03. And he still knows it. I love that. I love, I love that you remember it. Okay. We spent all this time talking about Josh Jacobs and the contract. They got it done. The incentives are added in. He's in a little bit late here. First of all, what do you think he's like at the beginning of the season? Is he 100% go for the opener, or is this going to take like three weeks? I think they should probably put him on a pitch count just because you're you're working him back into the fold, and you and I, you and I both know that the only way to get in football shape is to play football. He could be out there running gassers all day long, uh, working out three times a day, but it's still nothing like actually playing football in football practice, having to deal with the bumps and the bruises. You get banged a little bit by the linebacker in training camp when it's already hot, 100 degrees outside, and you're in, uh, outside and you're in full pads. Those little things, you got to go ahead and try to build up that callus that you have on your body that helps you take that bruising. And the only way to build that up is through training camp it is through the otas things like that so i would put him on a pitch count probably the first two weeks just to let him get his feet up under him i would not go out there and hand him the ball 25 times a game and then expect him to be full speed and up to par just because he's been out for so long not doing football specific drills at football practice not because he's out of shape from an endurance standpoint but just that that callus has not been built up to take that bruise should, should I be – I was telling this to Steve the other day. I feel like I want to have some caution when it comes to Jacobs and his production, and kind of it leads into what you're talking about, Stanford. When you're a guy whose production was really based on yards after contact last season it did so much after contact, and there was a drop-off near the end of the year, like I'm a little worried as to what that looks like after a really strong year in which you maximized your yards after contact. Well, I think that's where having multiple running backs – a little bit by committee, Zamir White. That's where having those guys will help spell him yeah. so he does not have that drop-off that you just alluded to at the end of the season, keeping him fresher, having him go ahead and have some games where he only gets 10 carries, he only gets 12 carries. You know what? We didn't really need him much this week, things like that. And I understand it, but that's the nature of the position. That's why 
he's been wanting to get a long-term deal because he knows that running backs lose their legs overnight. It's like they seemingly fall off a cliff, like literally going to sleep one day and the next day they have no legs. So everything that you're saying is valid and true. That's why running backs are so in such an, an urgent rush to receive a long-term contract as far as other positions can maybe wait one or two years longer. Uh, let's, let me see what you think about this. Alex Barr's wound up getting cut. Uh, he was one of the starters last year. That line wound up being a middle-of-the-pack offensive line, probably better than expected. This isn't good for Alex Barr's, but this is probably a good sign that they had enough talent that behind the, the ones and that Van Roten came in and beat him out, this line could be better, right? Uh, it could be. <laughs> it remains to be seen exactly will they be. Yeah. Uh, I think that everybody in Raider Nation is pretty much in a wait-and-see approach. Uh, you don't want to go and cast any aspersions too early. You don't want to just pass judgment. But I think um, being cautiously optimistic is probably the best way to describe a lot of Raider fans because – you did not see any major splash moves on the offensive line in the draft, anything like that. So there's always going to be that trepidation and there's always going to be that, that grinding of the teeth or biting your teeth, wondering what this season is going to bring as far as trying to protect a, uh, a Jimmy Garoppolo or blocking for a Josh Jacobs. Well, another good sign is Illuminor is really getting a challenge on the right side. Um, I think he believed that he was going to definitely be the guy at right tackle. And Thayer Munford, who is just a monster of a human being, um, he's really challenging him. So, again, I think a reason for optimism. I know it's hard in Raiderland to be optimistic, but I will push, I will push against the, uh, the current trend. Um, what do you, those first three games, what do you think the offense is going to be like if Jacobs is on a pitch count? Do you believe that uh, Josh will have confidence in Zamir White to basically you know, use him for those carries, or do they get a little pass-heavy early? I, th I can see them definitely getting pass heavy early. And also, just like I said, sprinkling in Josh Jacobs, not giving him the heavy workload early on, but also opening up the year with the Denver Broncos. We're expecting to see Russell Wilson have a resurgence with Sean Payton being his offensive coordinator. I'm sorry, head coach calling the offensive plays. So I'm expecting to see the Raiders in a few more shootouts early on where they're going to have to lean on the pass to make sure that they match the Bills or the Broncos or even the Jets blow for blow starting off the season so if we go past that we obviously we get a lot of jimmy g jimmy g the other day was asked about the trey lance situation for san francisco he had an interesting comment he said quote uh been a lot of weird situations over there in san francisco so wow, okay. i think he's obviously referring to himself but this leads to my question because stephen a responded stephen a smith uh that jimmy garoppolo needs to shut up because he's only good because of kyle shanahan do we think that is the truth? Do you think Jimmy G was built up by only one person, Kyle Shanahan? I mean, that's really the only coach that he's played for and started a multitude of games. When you look at his uh, short stint as a starter with the New England Patriots when Tom Brady was suspended for those first four games, I believe that Jimmy Garoppolo started with the first two. He, uh, he didn't finish the second one, so he wound up being 2-0 as a starter. I think week three – uh, Jacoby Brissett was the starter. I forget who was playing in week four. So the multitude of the games that Jimmy G has started have been for the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan being the play caller. Kyle Shanahan always having the bells and the whistles, the, the motions, the shifts, things like that, where there's always a smoke and mirrors type of aspect whenever the 49ers play. And it does not bode well for Jimmy G's perception when you see a guy like uh, Brock Purdy, who's Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick of the draft last year, 
walk in and be undefeated pretty much as a starter and be able to move on seamlessly even after Trey Lance gets hurt and things like that. So it definitely remains to be seen. There's a lot of narrative out there about Jimmy G that he can't do anything without Kyle Shanahan basically spoon-feeding him the plays and the success that he's had. And the only way for him to be able to go ahead and skirt that monkey off his back is to be able to make plays and be healthy enough to still be there every week, being durable for the black and silver. That's the only way he's going to be able to dispel that narrative. It's never right with Cofield and company. We've got less than a minute left. Uh, you are working with your Cougar program. You guys open against UTSA. Last year's game was freaking wild. Triple overtime. What do you have on UTSA? Oh, the uniforms. The uniforms stayed. Well, just go. Those things are sick for Houston. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love the uniforms, man. It's going to be a great Saturday afternoon. Uh, looking for big things. Uh, obviously, UTSA is a fine football team. Got a good, got a good quarterback that obviously you got to go ahead and make sure you corral because he can make plays with his legs and his arm. They have a good defense. And it's just something that, uh, yeah, starting off the season, you want to start off with a W. That way you can go ahead and build the momentum all the way going into the regular, the, uh, the, down the stretch and even within conference play. So, uh, we all know that you, before you get one, or I'm sorry, before you get two, you got to get one in. That's exactly UTSA Saturday afternoon in about two to, about 48 hours from now. Stanford, we appreciate it. Uh, on the way back, we'll uh, we'll pop your podcast, including all facts and no cap. Thank you. Okay, appreciate you guys. It's Cofield and Company live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Thanks to Stanford Routh, the former Raider, for popping on with us. He does the Believe in Raiders podcast with Dennis Ackerman. That comes out every week, so make sure you listen to that on the Believe Podcast Network. And then he's got another podcast he's doing. Stanford is doing All Facts, No Cap. Uh, in the past, he's had on one of our favorite guests. Um, and I want to make sure I get his first name right now. It's one of our favorite guests, but I don't know his first name, right? Yeah, Devon Kennard. Well, there's uh, Derek Kennard, who we've talked to uh, with. Yeah. Uh, you know, former Cowboy who we talked to with Mark McMillan. But um, uh, Devon Kennard, we talked to him at the Super Bowl, has like five books already, like in- incredible guest and a big real estate guy. But um, Joy Taylor's been on the show recently, and he's got Mike Hill, the Fox anchor, is on the show, and they talked a little college football, some baseball, Major League Baseball, and basketball. So check out Stanford's growing empire on the podcast front. So we are tracking some college football. Um NC State and UConn have started. It's just a couple minutes in. You took UConn. Yeah, I got plus 14 and a half. So, you know, UConn, uh, we were actually discussing one of the main dynamics off the air, but uh, they bring in the quarterback from Maine, John Fagnano, I think is how you pronounce his last name. There's a lot of G's and N's, but it's pronounced Big numbers over his career, like 6,000 yep. yards and 45 touchdowns. And his uh, play caller here at UConn is actually his former head coach over there at Maine. So you get some continuity there on that end. NC State uh, only bringing back about four guys on this defense, uh, a little turnover, especially a quarterback as well. UConn was a good ATS team last year too. Nine and three? They were a big surprise ATS. last year. Yep. So I, I Bowl think game, Moore's, right? Yep, and I think Moore's got him going in the right direction. So at least when you're talking about c- catching 14 and a half at home, I'll take my shot. And that was a guy uh, in Moore Jr. who on multiple occasions, well, at least I know the Arroyo opening, right? And mm-hmm. what I mean is the Sanchez opening leading to Arroyo. Yeah. He had planted a lot of media out there. 
Moore Jr. to get the UNLV job, and then he pops up at UConn, and they make a bowl game. Mm-hmm. And they got a lot of transfers in. Uh, that said, I don't know the names of a lot of these guys, and they are big stars over at Barstool. There is a college football kid who I think went to UConn because he hates on my school Rutgers like heavy because he's jealous, right? He's jealous. They made it to Power 5, and UConn has not, although they just won a, a college basketball national title. But uh, there's a little bit of an inferiority complex at UConn because they've never broken through in football. Yep. You know? So be nice if a crowd showed up tonight. Doesn't look like the biggest crowd, UConn. No. Want to be, be big-time football. I mean, you got an ACC oh, program me, coming in. Believe me, I'll, I'll lay into them. I do not like – I do not like UConn folks. And just being around them. Did you go out to the uh, the Sweet 16 here? Were you out in any I did. of the games? I did. The UConn folks were easily, I mean, okay, li- I mean, listen to this. The UConn folks were easily, the people around the program were easily the most arrogant. And Gonzaga was there. Yep. And UCLA was there. By the way, I sat next to Steve courtside at those games and went to the media presser with him. I, and, I, he's asking, that's right. and he's asking me if I was like, were you there? You know what, though? It could be last week, and I would ask you. I forget all the friggin' time. I was at the coaches' show yesterday, too. I, well, that's right. You were there. You were at the Barry Odom radio show. I forget, man. Hey, what's it going to be like? Because I think I'm going to have to work till I'm like 70. I don't know if they're going to keep me on the air here. Oh, yeah. We've, had some, really, we've had some good comebacks here, though. Well, you at know the radio you, group, so as long as they're still around, maybe I got a shot. You know what you got to do? You got to play video games. Keeps your mind sharp. Does it? Yeah. And your finger's nimble. I didn't even think about the finger part. Yeah. My finger is going to get all arthritic. Probably. By the way, UConn is throwing out all the stops right now. They just had a tight end throw a ridiculous pass down the right side. Old age is the worst. So did you actually uh, bet Florida-Utah? Did you say uh, you No, not yet. Okay. I want to. I mean, well, I'm sitting here waiting to see I mean, if the market's going to 20 minutes away anything. here. What's going on with Cam Rising? Well, that's that's the question. I want to know what's going to happen with Rising. And I want to uh, – because if – here's the thing. I'm actually waiting to bet Utah. I'm kind of hoping he gets ruled out. Because I want that thing to drop to like three and a half, and then I'll come in and bet the Utes. Brad Powers will give us the leans and the likes on college football like he does every Thursday at 444. This hour is brought to you by uh, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Brought to you by our friends at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, Justin and Matt. Give him a call when you need help. 766-1400. Company live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, week one is here. All fired up. I know Brad Powers is fired up. He's our college football betting expert on Thursdays. Brad, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Are you in on NC State UConn? Yeah, both sides. Uh, took eighteen, laid at fourteen. I so, uh, you know, truth is in the middle. Yeah. Uh, I made it 16, so, uh, you know, you do it the, what you got to do there. Lay it out for people who are listening and are like, who is this guy? What do you mean both sides? Talk about how you well, bet I mean, all, you got yeah, it Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the old Jimmy Vaccaro saying. I mean, you, you bet numbers, not teams. Uh, so, I mean, I don't fall in love, especially in week one, I don't fall in love with any team. Uh, but, you know, if you give me the right number, I can bet honor against any team out there. So, um, I, I like to think that at least my power ratings early on are, are really accurate uh, as far as where the market's going to go. So uh, that's why I, you know I bet both teams are now. I mean, it's a complete middle. And it, well, was there one side that I liked more than the other? Yeah, I mean, my original bet of plus eighteen was, was my preference. So you mentioned you said you made the number sixteen. You got eighteen. 
How, how much of an edge do you have to have with your number in comparison with the market to consider it a play? Yeah, I mean, uh, it can be just a, as little as a half point if it's around a relatively key number of three, you know, three, seven, ten, and whatnot. So that, that's all I would need in those instances. But uh, you know, generally speaking, uh, let's say it's early May and these lines come out. I mean, I'm looking for at least two points, um, and in a lot of cases, even more than that, to, to make a bet uh, with them holding up my money for that long. All right, so one of the complaints that we saw, and I think it was from your guy Fezzik, um, the the lack of your, the your uh, guy. Uh, the, what? Well, I thought are they friends? I don't honestly, Brad. I, think, I don't understand uh, the dynamic. Uh, are you guys tight? It's like day to day. Yeah, what's going on there? Yeah, day to day. I mean, aren't yep. we all? all right. It just depends. Love him, hate him. It yep. just depends on what what, what mood he's in. Yep, that's, that's me and Adam Hill. Like all right, seventeen years. Just make sure every day is different. I see the dynamic on X, but sometimes it's hard to see, you know, through text. So I just don't want to make any assumptions. You're right. Um, <laughs> But he was criticizing the books out here in Vegas for not having the added games up at this point right now. Is that something that you would uh, agree with? Like, let's go. Like, put these numbers up. Totally agree. Uh, it it was almost comedy hour uh, today as far as, you know, like pulling teeth trying to get those the numbers posted today. I just, what has changed? Nobody's played any games yet. I, I just put somebody out there, take a chance. Get somebody that's got a clue. Post the numbers. You're not asking to take five five dimes, uh, you know, on these games. Just get them up. So, I mean, the fact that we had to wait till wait. I mean, these games kicking off at you know seven o'clock Eastern, and we're sitting here, and it's you know after three o'clock Eastern. A lot of these lines aren't up yet. I mean, it was ridiculous in my opinion. All right, I want to go a little deep dive because I was very interested to get your take on some of these FCS games, and I also noticed that, uh, like, uh, you know, our FCS crossover against FBS, that numbers were just not there. Um, how is UAB, and that's where Trent Dilfer is, right? Um, yep, is, is, yep. He gonna, is he is he going to be good? No, I mean, they're going to be pathetic. I mean, he just looked out and he got an you know North Carolina A&T team that, uh, you know, doesn't return anybody themselves. So as bad as UAB is, as far as returning experience, uh, North Carolina A&T was right there in the mix. So it was kind of an unfortunate situation where had they played, uh, you know, a, a typical FCS opponent that returned, you know, just the average number of experience, I think UAB would have been a play against today. But I wouldn't be stunned that they're sitting there, uh, you know, a significant favorite. Uh, won't happen too often this season, we'll put it that way. Hey, he can have his day in the sun uh, tonight. Uh, you know, it, it, it's coming later on. And by... Uh, what I mean by that is, I think it's a four and eight, maybe five and eight, a five and seven season for UAP. You uh, ahead of time, do you make numbers for FCS, FBS crossovers? So obviously you can cross reference. Like, did you have numbers ahead of time for South Dakota, Mizzou, and Southern Utah, Arizona State? Yeah, absolutely. South Dakota, Mizzou, I made a twenty-six and a half. I, I you know, and, and that's just you know, with a regular total. I mean, you're talking a well below average total, so you're probably getting a number closer to twenty-four there on that game. And then Southern Utah, Arizona State made a thirty-two total, right around fifty-eight. Uh, we're sitting there, right in the mix there. You know, a guy gave out Arizona State, big public figure, inflated that price. I took a little Southern Utah in the first half. I was available at Westgate. Westgate. Arizona State's got a couple players suspended for the first half. They got a true freshman starting at quarterback. I think they kind of get off those slow starts, so I took Southern Utah in the first half. So, yeah, I get after it. Yeah, Even the yeah, derivative yeah. market in those games. Yeah, I know you love these markets. It's just, like you said, uh, if the numbers aren't up there, it kind of becomes a little hard to get money down. Um, well, I'm glad you mentioned true freshman for Arizona State. We have talked about Jaden Rashada because he had uh, quite the circuitous route to arrive in Tempe, 
So Florida's playing Utah tonight. I'm a little surprised that Graham Mertz is the guy for Florida. Um, boy, if Rashada had known that Arizona State was going to screw over the whole team and self-impose a bowl ban, would Rashada be starting tonight for Florida in this Utah uh, Utah game? Oh, wow. Uh, no, I don't think so. They, they've been relatively happy with Mertz. I mean, they, had, I mean, they don't expect, you know, uh, want to see you know Danny Werfel to, to, to walk through that door, but I mean I think they're they're okay with what they got there. Uh, I yeah Rashada, that was a weird situation <laughs> down there in Florida. Obviously he's promised a bunch of money. It wasn't there to, to begin with. So uh, yeah I I think the more obviously the most intriguing aspect of that game tonight is you know the, the Cam Rising situation. Not going to play. And, and the market cannot grasp how much he's worth of a point spread because not only are they down to their backup, it's actually their third-string quarterback. So um, I don't like this Florida team. The market hasn't really liked them, even the, you know, the, the, the fact that they're facing a third-string quarterback, the fact that they're still sitting here a five-and-a-half, six-point underdog says uh, all you need to say about Florida on the fact that that win total was five-and-a-half all summer and no one it really never moved. I mean, this is this going to be a struggle here even in year two underneath here. Are you in on any of the added games uh, beyond that on a Thursday night? Like, uh, I don't know, you know, Valpo, Youngstown State, which is 7 nothing. Youngstown right now was 31 when it went off. Yeah, I made 27 and a half with Youngstown State. You know, made that number 33, so that was enough of a difference for me to get involved there. I bet almost every one of those games. Uh, well, we'll see what happens. Thankfully, I didn't bet Indiana State. If you're following that one, Ooh. nothing says FCS football like Indiana State being a 13-point favorite and getting beat 18 nothing at halftime so uh, fcs football for you i mean very similar to the market moved a touchdown against uh, uh jackson state last week i was part of that you know anti-jackson state they lost everybody on that roster from the you know deon sanders took a bunch of guys with them and they go out and win by 30 over south carolina state so it's very high variance tough to get a grasp that's why and you know my solution to it is I think I have an edge. I think I can price it better than the most. So I got to do volume because I, I can't isolate it down to just one or two plays because anything can happen in FCS football. Folks, if you want to get down on a lot of games, but more importantly, like pinpoint games that are off the radar, maybe even for the books, you got to follow Brad up on Twitter, Brad Power Sports. Uh, check that. BradPowerSports.com on the web and then Brad Power 7 on Twitter. So the reason I asked about Youngtown State is that uh, from what I hear, uh, Youngstown State could have been a UNLV opponent in football this year. That didn't happen. It's Bryant instead. What do you know about Bryant? Have you developed a number on UNLV and Bryant on Saturday? I have. Uh, Bryant's uh, a decent team. Bet on them last year. They played FIU. Should have won the game outright. Uh, so I don't think they're going to be overly intimidated. Um, you know, There's not going to be a fear of taking on the big bag FBS. It's kind of what I'm getting at. 17 returning starters for Bryant. Uh, so they're one of the more experienced teams at the FCS level. I upgraded their power rating. Now, speaking of their power rating, where does it compare for the rest of the, to the rest of the FCS? They're about an average, maybe slightly above average FCS team. So, I mean, it's not Eastern Washington coming in here like they did you know, a couple of years ago and they quote-unquote upset, even though they finished as a favorite over UNLV a couple of years ago. I still think UNLV is going to be – uh, a good size favorite. If I had to guess, and if I were a betting man, and last I checked, I was. I'd make you, and it'll be about seventeen. Okay. I'm anxious to bet the over. I'll put it that way. So I actually talked to the head coach this morning, uh, Merritt. We'll play the interview tomorrow, and he was very interesting trying to break down the Rebels because the the uh, the FBS team is the one that's kind of a mystery in terms of 
uh, what they've got personnel wise. They have some personnel back, but they you know UNLV brought in forty plus new players, and they're playing a three three five and a go go on on offense yep. and defense. So he was uh, he reeled off some knowledge, but. Uh, um, yeah, you know, it seemed like, hey, you know, there's we're gonna have to do some in-game coaching. So that one will be real interesting. Flip yep. side in this state, uh, Nevada, we know what they're going against. Tell me what they're going against. What they're playing USC. They're getting 38-39. What did you see with USC? Was that more San Jose State with some offensive might, or do the Trojans look like they're gonna struggle again on defense? Well, I think number one, uh, Cordero at quarterback, uh, probably, I mean, deservedly the Mountain West offensive preseason player of the year. Uh, I mean, made some, you know, incredible plays. Does Nevada have that guy on the roster? No, but I think they, what they do have is they brought in a bunch of power five transfers, uh, specifically from the Pac 12, uh, two schools, Oregon and Cal, that they're bringing in. And I'm not sure that the market properly has the transfer portal covered at all, to be perfectly frank. So I expect Nevada to be much improved. Uh, improved enough where I, I bet them to, to cover that point spread against USC. I don't want to be laying that kind of number with US, USC's defense. And then, you know, just generally speaking, I, and I've tweeted this out many times over the last few years, it's better to have film on your opponent than actually have played a game Go back to 2000. It's on nearly a 500-game sample size. You're playing your season opener. You're taking on a, a team playing game two. You are 55% against the spread against a team that's already played. <laughs> so before we get back to some more like actual sides, I wanted to ask your overall thoughts on what you saw from the new rules and what we're seeing from a totals perspective because we're seeing some low totals on the board. I think, uh, what, Minnesota-Nebraska today is down to like 42.5? Right, you're going to shout out Fez on this one because I think Fez was all over that last <laughs> yeah. week. Let's give him credit, right, Yeah, Brad? he blindly bet the under. Got to bet the under because yeah. the, the, the new rules are not factored in. I mean, I thought they were factored in last week, but you know, kudos to him. He went 7-3. and three. Blindly betting the under, uh, too small of a sample size as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Might there is, I mean, a chance that it might impact games a little bit more than we expected. But I'm not sure last week's sample size was a good barometer because none of the at least the 14 FBS teams that played last week, none of them last year were in the top 30 at Tempo. Yeah. So I'd like to see a little bit of a better cross section uh, of teams and how it really affects them. And let's be honest. Uh, Navy Notre Dame game. Uh, the college kicker can you oh, know my. those two college kickers can make a couple field goals. The over would have went four and three in the FBS game. So uh, for for all the you know all mighty feds for being so right. I'm not sure that he should be taking victory laps at this point. Yeah, as somebody who bet that uh, Notre Dame game over myself, uh, I can feel that. Uh, and I don't know what you're talking about. I think four out of seven games is a perfectly large sample size to draw conclusions <laughs> from. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to ask you in terms of specific sides, really quick, we got one minute left. What's with all the love for Fresno State? Has this gone too far down to three and a half against Purdue? No, I don't think so. I'm part of the Fresno State money. Um, you know, I don't mind Mikey Keene. I know Jay Kaner's a big loss for them, but uh, I, I think it's more of a play against a Purdue team with a first-time head coach, and they also lost a lot of talent there, and they've actually been banged up in fall camp. So, uh, you know, they're just uh, Fresno, believe it or not, is the more known commodity. Can Boise stay within 14 of Washington? I lean Washington. I just think with that passing offense, Boise will struggle, and I think their cutter, last I checked, he's not there to help nope. save their season like he did a year ago. So, uh, I question that Boise State uh, offensive play calling. And you've probably answered this a million times on this show and other shows, but tell me where you are with the number with LSU and Florida State. I like Florida State outright, but I'm going to wait for a possible three. And the thing to look for is to see if the SEC exceeds expectations. Like tonight, Florida, look for the South Carolina-North Carolina game. If that goes the SEC's favor, you'll likely see money come in on LSU 
on that standalone Sunday night game. Brad, you rule. I hope you win a lot of money tonight and through the weekend. Five days of college football is here. Love it. Thanks for having me, guys. There he is, Brad Powers. At Brad Powers 7 up on Twitter. And, uh, you know, he'll give you the results afterwards. He'll put up tickets. He'll screenshot them and everything. So, uh, pretty transparent dude. Really good on college football. Five o'clock hours on the way.